0: And on this week's show we go to Cameroon and catch up on the latest from the African Nations Championship as Morocco play Mali in Sunday's final. And Cameroon fans are in shock after losing 4-0 to Morocco in the semis. Also we look at the surprise return of Ahmad as Confederation of African Football President.
1: You can imagine that the media is going crazy about this. Obviously, there were certain frailties, certain issues within the team that are coming to the fore at the moment.
0: That's coming later, plus a Stewart with the latest from the English Premier League as Manchester City continue their winning run and that massive win for Manchester United. Uh, but first to the delayed 2020 FIFA Club World Cup, which kicked off on Thursday in Qatar. And the African champions al Ahly of Egypt beat Al-Duhail of Qatar 1-0 in their first round match. Hussein Al-Shahat scoring in the 30th minute. Well, al Ahly will now play the European champions Bayern Munich in the semifinals on Monday. That's going to be a big one. We'll see if al Ahly can pull off a surprise there. Well after 3 weeks of competition Morocco play Mali on Sunday in the final of the 2020 African Nations Championship the CHAN in Cameroon this the tournament for home based players only while well, Morocco knocked out the host 4-0 in the semi-finals while Mali beat Guinea on penalties having also won their quarter-final in a shootout against Congo Brazzaville well Planet Sport Football Africa's NGA Eno is at the tournament, covering the games in Yaoundé, I spoke to NGA and asked how the mood is in Cameroon after that semi-final defeat.
1: It's a very, very gloomy um, atmosphere across the country, especially in um, Yaoundé, Douala and Limbe, the sites where the tournaments are being played, obviously heading into the clash against um, Morocco, Everyone knew that the Atlas Lions were a superior side, but they expected to see better from the intermediate Lions of Cameroon. It was a total meltdown from the Cameroonians who were out-muscled in almost all the compartments of the game, and it was a battering unprecedented for the Lions uh, on home turf. In my entire life, I cannot remember a single game wherein the Cameroonian team lost by zero goal to four. A national team lost zero goal to four in the country. So I guess this is a, a new record and um, unenviable um, um, record. You can imagine that the, the media is going crazy about this. Obviously, there were certain frailties, certain issues within the team that are coming to the fore at the moment. It's important to mention here that Cameron will play the third-place game in Douala without forward, Yannick Njeng, who's been dismissed from the team after a verbal uh, confrontation with members of the technical staff that threatened to go physical and Yannick Njeng had to be controlled by some of his teammates. The head coach of Cameroon, Martin ntungumpili has, has simply dismissed the player. The intermediate lines of Cameroon are in varying shades of disarray just like the local press that's been churning stories about the use of witch doctors, about some unorthodox practices. But that's also, uh, uh, Steve, been talking about how that 4 nil thrashing is a reflection of the um, championship, the quality of the championship. The league itself, the domestic championship in Cameron, has been non-existent for a year. Due to the power tussle between the league authorities and the football federation, and a lot of persons are saying that now's the time to sit down and really restructure the domestic championship in order to avoid this very very brutal defeat, which still date is uh, has still left some fans really sad and really discouraged.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, I know. Before the tournament, uh, you told us the fans didn't think that Cameroon would uh, get this far. They did take uh, it to the semi-finals, but uh, or oh, just the margin of that uh, scoreline too much. And uh, looking back, um, in G8, it's been a historic tournament with the first female centre referee at a senior African continental competition. Uh, that's Ethiopia's Lydia Tafese, who's been on duty.
1: And I think that for someone like Lydia Tafese Abebe, who had a very difficult story growing up as a as a referee. Initially, she was a basketball player. She fell in love with the sport. And she said that officials from her own federation encouraged her to get to the firmament of that profession on the continent. She has officiated at several major tournaments, amongst them the 20th Africa Cup of Nations and has been to other global competitions. And I do feel, Steve, that we can have more and more of such officials in women's football, only if it is shown, or only if it is seen clearly, that African football chieftains really want to see more uh, uh, women referees. In it. there is Karine Atzambong from Cameroon, who is also in the shan as an official. I can tell you for sure, uh, from having discussions with a few young women, that they are interested in becoming referees to because they have the conviction now that being a referee is possible to officiate at a top-level competition.
0: Yes, yeah, so a groundbreaking stuff uh, at the Chan. And uh, just finally in GA, off the pitch, uh, Ahmad bounced back as the Confederation of African Football President, and he made his way to the Chan there in Cameroon, uh, this following a ruling by the Court of Arbitration for Sport that overturned his five-year FIFA ban. That was for breaching several of their ethics codes. Uh, what was the reaction uh, of uh, Ahmad's return there in GA?
1: There was a... Flurry of emotions coming in. You had those who were sort of comforted by the idea that he was returning and others who were not very happy with that decision. There are those who celebrated. And the argument is that President Ahmad's suspension was first and foremost triggered by FIFA, who they say are trying to, coming back into a neo-colonialist way of taking charge of the Confederation of African Football, they say that FIFA wants to have a greater grip on continental football and that seemingly President Ahmad is barring them the way and that that's why everything has been done to get him out of office. Obviously, with the elections uh, forthcoming, there has been a lot of speculations. Um, President Amart's name uh, hasn't been validated yet for the elections. It is left to be seen what sort of impact his presence can have. But one thing is certain, he will be sitting beside Cameroonian top officials on Sunday at the final of the African Nations Football Championship.
0: Uh, well, that's true. Speaking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's and Gano in Cameroon. Uh, so speaking there within GA on Ahmad bouncing back as CAF president and uh, going straight to the Chan finals in Cameroon. Well, this one is a complex situation, and he could theoretically get back into the CAF elections next month and retain his position. Ida.
2: Well, Steve, that's still a bit of a technicality, you see, because Ahmad's appeal at CAS was against the ban he received from FIFA that removed him as CAF president. It wasn't against his ineligibility to run for another term. So technically, as per the current status quo, well, Ahmad is still ineligible to vie for a second term. And remember as well, Steve, that both the CAF Governance Committee and FIFA Review Committee already met. They already vetted the candidates and specific people were passed, you know, to stand for CAF president. So the CAF decision came after all this and had really nothing to do with whether Ahmad could vie or not. So we'll have to wait and see. Though, as per a CAF statement, we will also wait to hear the results of meetings that have been had, you know, between Ahmad and the CAF Governance Committee on his viability to run. But you know what, Steve? (laughs) I really would wouldn't be shocked to see the man from Madagascar beating all odds you know because if there's one thing the last couple of years in african football politics has taught us is that a mad is like a cat with nine lives you know i mean remember 2019 in cairo with Everything that had happened to him prior from being arrested in France and so much more. And then the CAF General Assembly before the Afghan final happened and the rabbits he pulled out of the hat, you know, when almost everyone had underrated him. So, look, I wouldn't count him out. So... Let's see uh, the CAF president close out the Chan and hand out the winner's medals. Whether it will be one of his last duties at the helm, well, you know, we'll just have to wait and see on that one.
0: Agree totally. Uh, well, so we'll continue to follow this one here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And Ida, a quick prediction on the Chan final.
2: Steve, Morocco are simply too good. And, you know, we said this from the start, but I think they've really come into their own, and that 4-0 win over the hosts basically sounded out their final opponents. And if Morocco win this, then they would be the second team to win two chants, that being after DR Congo, and not forgetting as well that they are the first side to reach back-to-back chan finals. So, you know, of course, lots of people putting the North Africans as the clear. Favorites, And I think this points to, you know, a bigger theme in that Morocco has really invested in their football. And it's not just about the stars who are abroad, but they have invested in their local leagues. But Steve, and this is a heavy but. Mali have proven themselves to be penalty masters in this tournament. You know, they converted all five to bundle Guinea out in the semis and also scored all five to eliminate Congo in the quarters. So, you know, Mali might want to grind out a draw by the end of ninety. Try take it on sport kicks, although, you know, that's something that could always go either way. But it will be Mali's second final after they lost heavily to DR Congo five years ago. And look, I'm sure they're keen on compensating for that very painful 3-0 loss.
0: Yes, I was at that final in Kigali in Rwanda back in 2016. The game played in heavy rain and a DR Congo too good that night. So Morocco playing Mali in the Chan final on Sunday. This is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport and still to come Stuart on Manchester United's 9-0 win over Southampton. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Let's go to social media now. And last week we asked, should young managers be given more time? Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich lost patience with manager Frank Lampard after 18 months in charge. Uh, But it was a risky move appointing Lampard, given his lack of experience. So we asked, should the club have given him plenty of time to grow in the job? And also Manchester United and Arsenal have inexperienced former players as manager with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Mikel Arteta. So should these young managers be given more time and patience than other managers with more experience? Here with your comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks, Steve. And we start today on Facebook
3: with Kachi Vero in Nigeria, who says, As far as Lampard is concerned, the job came too soon for him. Chelsea could have allowed him to stay at Championship side Derby for another season. He's a good coach, no doubt but he was rushed into the Premiership. So Gary Jones in Zimbabwe makes a similar point. It's best to follow Steven Gerrard's route, says Gary. Start coaching in Scotland or begin with a smaller team and let them find their way up. Ogwell Lawrence in Uganda believes there's a big problem for any young coach coming to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea aims at being competitive and wants to win trophies, says Ogwell. That is what flows in their DNA. So it's not a club for young coaches to learn new techniques. And Cade Kawumbu Chiwaya in Zambia says simply, Lampard needs more time. He is a good coach. To WhatsApp now, and Pedeshi Truth Bubble, a Liverpool fan in Zanzibar, agrees. Yeah, that's really true, says Pedeshi. Young managers should be given more time. If Steven Gerrard ever came to Liverpool, we should give him more time to settle in and adjust. Mwenda Zambwe in Zambia says, It all depends with the plans of the club. If they are building for the future, then yes, young managers need to be given time. But if the club demands immediate results, then it's impossible to be given enough time when results aren't coming the way the club want. Yes, that certainly seems to have been the case at Chelsea. And Leonard Simon in Tanzania can understand the position of the club owners. Roman made the right decision at the right time, before the situation got worse, says Leonard. Lampard may be a good coach, but Chelsea's ambitions seem to be higher than his ability. And Michael Johnson in Sierra Leone goes even further. I like this Chelsea policy, says Michael. If you don't perform, you're fired. Manchester United should try and follow this step. Well indeed, and some would argue that United have done that in the past, but for now Solsha is both rebuilding and getting the results. And Marvellous, Olarewaju Abubakar in Nigeria also prefers the patient approach. A journey of a thousand miles starts with a step, says Marvellous. If we look at the likes of Pep, Zidane and others, they started as young coaches and see how they are building their careers in football management today. I would suggest that these young managers should be given more time to build and assemble their own squad rather than sacking them when the results are not coming their way. They need more time and support, both from the fans and the management. Odipo Morris in Kenya agrees. Do young managers require more time? Definitely, yes, says Odipo. Club management requires experience, leadership leadership and emotional intelligence. Teams are settling on young former players as managers. But whether these qualities will be revealed in these managers is open for debate. And Barnabas Ande in Nigeria also wants to see clubs showing more patience. I have an issue with the higher and fire kind of leadership at some clubs, says Barnabas. No manager can ever do well if not given time and support. Not to mention the young and inexperienced ones. They should be given enough time to get to know the system that works. In doing so, they'll lose games, they'll win games, get draws and be knocked out of competitions. But that's all part of the process. Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United took risks and each of them should have patience as well. Risks take patience to become fruitful. Sylvester in the Gambia makes another helpful observation. Football is all about results. And if you fail to perform to the expectations, you can be assured of the exit door. If a player loses form or can't deliver, he sits on the bench, is loaned out or sold. But if a manager can't deliver, there is only one option, says Sylvester. And we'll leave the final word today to Bakari Nyasi in the United Arab Emirates. Yes, says Bakari, young managers should be given more time. With the case of Frank Lampard in Chelsea, I think they should have given him more time. But on the other hand, he was also given a huge amount of money to spend on players. At the end of the day, he could not produce the results which Chelsea wanted. So that being the case, is why he was shown the exit door. So there you are, Steve. We all want our teams to win trophies and titles and be successful. But on the other hand, on a personal level, there is a lot of sympathy here this week too from fans who believe that young coaches should be given more time to prove themselves at the highest level. But that's the tension, I guess, between the ambitions of a coach and the expectations of
0: the club. And when there's a conflict between the two, there will only be one winner. (laughs) Indeed. Well, thanks, Ash. That's Ash Dekewa. Thanks for all of those comments. Well, some interesting issues in there. How do we judge success in life? And how important is it to have patience and to give things time?
4: With some thoughts, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ras Bravo. It's been said many times, but the EPL is a pressure cooker, where results rule the roost and patience is a virtue few club chairmen and owners possess. The stakes are high, the money is ridiculous and managers who don't deliver on the pitch are sacked without hesitation. And the recent dismissal of Frank Lampard at Chelsea is a classic case in point. Appointed as manager in July 2019 after just one year's managerial experience with Derby County in the Championship, where they lost in the playoff final to Aston Villa, he was a club icon, riding a wave of expectation at a top-six club notoriously impatient for success. Sadly, it only takes one bad batch of results for the button to be pushed, and following a run of only two wins in eight EPL games, Chelsea slipped to ninth and on 25th of January, Lampard was on his way. Brutal, unfair perhaps, but the Chelsea way. As lined-up replacement, Thomas Tuchel stepped in the day after. Roman Abramovich demands more from his $275 million summer spend and is not prepared to wait. Planet Sport Football Africa listeners have been clear in their view. New young managers need to pay their dues lower down the football pyramid before taking a top job. Maybe the appointment was too early for Frank Lampard, clearly a talented coach who looks a prime candidate for managerial success. Or is it that in a league flushed with money, clubs desperate for a place at the top table are only interested in instant success? We live in a world where patience and being prepared to wait for opportunities are not popular virtues. Similarly, contentment is undervalued, while ambition and aspiration are prized. Followers of Jesus Christ believe God created a world where everything has its time, and patience is seen as a key part of the Creator's character. In the Holy Bible, the second letter of Peter, chapter 3, verse 8, the Apostle Peter writes... With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And he continues, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God sees our potential and wants us to become the people he's created us to be. That takes time. It means making mistakes, receiving forgiveness, and learning. And for followers of Jesus, success is all about obedience to what God has asked of us. Thankfully, he doesn't kick us out of his family if we fail. He gives us the strength to get up and carry on following Jesus. Maybe a little patience wouldn't go amiss amongst trigger-happy EPL owners, allowing more young managers to fulfil their potential. Well, thanks, Russ. That's
0: Russ Bravo there. You can read his blog on our website, that's planetsport.tv, and you go to the blog section that's on our website, planetsport.tv. There's some thoughts on patience and uh, judging success. Well, this week on social media, we're asking, can Liverpool bounce back after that 1-0 loss to Brighton on Wednesday? Reds manager Jurgen Klopp said that he couldn't understand what happened and he said that his players were tired. Well after going sixty eight games unbeaten at Anfield, Liverpool have now lost two home games in a row, and they're seven points behind the leaders Manchester City who have a game in hand. So what do you think? Can the Reds bounce back this season? You can post a message on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Can Liverpool bounce back? Well, let's go to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK now and uh, well Stuart before we get to the Liverpool game no doubt about the standout match in the Premier League's midweek fixtures and Manchester United fans absolutely over the moon with that 9-0 win over Southampton
5: Absolutely, United were ruthless from start to finish uh, winning 9-0 but there's a lot more to it than that Alex Jankovic, the Swiss teenager, was given a first-team debut by Southampton and, sadly, it lasted only 78 seconds when he made a high challenge on Scott McTominay and was red-carded. And then, late in the second half, Jan Bernardic tussled with Anthony Martial and referee Mike Dean awarded a penalty. He was then instructed by VAR to check the monitor which resulted not only in the penalty being confirmed, but Bednarik getting a red card. So Southampton finished with nine players. And Mike Dean actually did something I've never seen before. He yellow carded a Southampton player for taking too long to restart the game at the time when it was 7-0 to Manchester United. Uh, incidentally, I understand that Southampton has so incensed that they have asked that neither referee Mike Dean nor VAR official Lee Mason be appointed to any of their games in future. So certainly a great night for Manchester United, but I don't think we can read too much into it. But unbelievably, it wasn't the only game in which a top team finished with nine players. Because Arsenal dominated the early part of their game with Wolves taking a 1-0 lead, and then had first David Luiz and then goalkeeper Bernd Leno sent off. And incredibly, that's the ninth red card for Arsenal under Michael Arteta. Now, there was some controversy over the David Luiz card, and Arteta said afterwards that he had watched the incident from seven different camera angles and could still see no contact by Luiz on the Wolves player. He added with some frustration that Arsenal were in complete command of the game with 11 players, but then lost it in the second half with 10 and then 9. Incidentally, Steve, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang came on as a second-half substitute, having been away visiting his mother and then having to quarantine on his return to England. But you know, Steve, they say in Britain that a week is a long time in politics, and with fixtures coming thick and fast, teams sometimes playing three games and eight days at the moment, a week is a very long time in the Premier League. And what that means is that a team that wins two or three games in that period can really fly up the table. Take Brighton, for example, who started the week just above the relegation zone, but are now ten points clear of it, with two wins. And incidentally, Brighton's 1-0 win over Tottenham was their first home win in 225 days since they beat Arsenal in June, and another team benefiting was Crystal Palace, gaining six points this week. And it was noting that Roy Hudson, their manager at 73, is the oldest ever Premier League manager. And another strange thing I read is that Palace also had the youngest ever Premier League manager, Attilio Lombardo, who was only 32. And A milestone. I know you love these, Steve. Uh, Crystal Palace beat Wolves 1-0, and that was the 2000th 1-0 win in Premier League history. There's something. Now, at the top of the table, Manchester City's two wins leave them three points clear of Manchester United and with a game in hand. City, to be frank, look a bit invincible at the moment, and from the 19th of December to now, City have played 13 games in all competitions, won 13 games, scored 33 goals, conceded three. They do have a champions look to them, I'm afraid to say, for the point of view of all the other clubs. Now, on Wednesday night, there were five Premier League games and all resulted in away wins. That means that overall this season, we've had 79 home wins and 87 away wins. And there's never been a season with more away wins than home wins. But, you know, this, I think, is a consequence of playing with low spectators. Now, the shock result of the week, in a way, was Brighton following up their excellent home victory over Tottenham with a victory over Liverpool at Anfield. And Liverpool are now at home to Manchester City on Sunday And with Liverpool seven points behind City having played an extra game, this really does look like a must win game for Liverpool if they are to have any chance of retaining their title.
0: Yeah, that's a big one
5: for the Reds.
0: So again, on social media, asking, do you think the Liverpool can bounce back this season? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And what
5: else have you got for us, Stuart? When Moussa scored for Liverpool against West Ham. He became the first Liverpool player to score 20 goals in four successive seasons since Ian Rice in 1987. Well done him. And I don't know if you noticed know Steve, but Tottenham's team against Brighton last weekend contained players from seven nationalities, but not one English player in the starting lineup. Chelsea and Arsenal have done that previously, but this was the first time in 1096 Premier League games that Tottenham did not have an English player. And what about Callum Wilson of Newcastle United, who became only the second player to score the first 10 goals in a Premier League season, all in the second half? I wonder what he does in the first half. And Steve, I want to tell you about the A to Z of Chelsea's goals against Burnley. Because in the two games they've beaten Burnley, the goals were scored by Aspilicueta and Alonso, beginning with A, and with Ziyech. And Zuma, beginning
0: with Z. A to Z indeed for Chelsea. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers, and Ash Tikiwa in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.